This is KHOL News. I'm Will Walkie. Today, we'll be hearing a story from KSJD in Cortez, Colorado, about the connection between oil and gas development and light pollution. But first, as more and more local community members start to get vaccinated, some folks around Teton County are questioning the current priority groups that define who will get the vaccine next. After the first stage, which mostly includes frontline healthcare workers, the county is moving on to stage 1B. 1B currently includes frontline essential workers in industries like food production, education, and the postal service, along with members of the community over age 75. Those groups have not been finalized yet. But County Director of Health Jody Pond says she's been receiving 20 to 30 calls a day from people lobbying to get other at-risk populations, like those with disabilities, vaccinated quicker. The saga between the Teton County Board of Commissioners and former library board member Dale Barber will continue into the new year. Barber was removed from her position by the commissioners in November and has since filed a lawsuit against the county. Barber's case is likely to go to court in February or March, and lawyers on both sides have said the focus of the case will be the legality of her removal. Seemingly every day, there's more good news on the local COVID front. Although our infection rates per 100,000 residents still put Teton County at a high-risk level, our seven-day case rate hasn't been this low since late October, and the local test positivity rate is at 4.39%, well below what it was a few weeks ago. The Teton County School District will be continuing with their hybrid model when students return from their winter breaks next week. For KHOL News in Jackson, I'm Will Walkie, wishing everyone a happy new year. Photographers, migrating animals, and cultural histories all share a reliance and admiration for one thing. Clear, dark, starry skies. But the preservation of dark skies is threatened by development, including ever-growing cities and the infrastructure needed for oil and gas production. As KSJD's Daniel Rizel reports, southeast Utah is just one of the places where advocates say mitigation for light pollution is often ignored. By day, visitors to Hovenweep National Monument can marvel at structures still standing hundreds of years after ancestral Pueblo people built them. But by night... It can be mind-blowing. Um, just, you know, the first time that you see that Milky Way shooting stars. Erica Pollard is the associate director for the Southwest Region of the National Parks Conservation Association. She doesn't just love dark skies, she wants to see them protected. Dark skies have many benefits, like for migrating wildlife, and their impairment also means a cultural loss for many people, including Native American tribes who continue to fight for dark sky preservation. Coming to, you know, these places in Utah, including Hovenweep, they're some of the last you know, remaining truly dark places in the lower 48. At the NPCA, Pollard works as a sort of watchdog for anything that could impact national parkland in the areas around them. And those areas often include oil and gas drill sites. Landon Newell, a staff attorney with the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance, has kept an eye on those sites too. They would light up a drill rig like a Christmas tree. That's because a lot of development can go into a lease sold to an oil and gas company. Roads, drill rigs, and pipelines can all be part of the process. Plus, flaring to burn off excess gas as a safety measure, or if a company doesn't have the infrastructure to capture and later sell it. Literally just an eternal flame that burns and burns and burns. Fixtures can be installed to direct light downwards rather than flooding it into the sky. 
As for the flames, drillers could pipe that excess gas away as another product, but companies don't always take these options. Newell points to one example in Big Flat, an area surrounding the road that leads to Canyonlands National Park. There, flaring continued even after the Bureau of Land Management allowed for gathering lines to pipe the gas away. People travel from around the world to see the Red Rock canyons and the Colorado River and the Green River. They don't travel to see industrialization in these areas. Whether or not companies have to follow light pollution mitigation measures comes down to the rules of a lease. Newell says leasing from the BLM generally breaks down into three steps. First, the agency prepares a resource management plan and decides where and when operations can occur. For example, no drilling between X date and Y date to protect some particular species. In the second step, the agency offers areas for leasing to energy companies. And in the third step, the lease is issued and the company can operate or develop within the stipulations of the management plan. But even early on, environmental impact statements don't always address light pollution from these developments. In such a dark and remote area, that is visible for miles and miles around. But it's something that is not being considered by the agency. The best option, Newell says, is instead of mitigating light pollution as it's taking place, changes need to happen back in the first step, like restricting surface occupancy, which would prohibit development in areas known for dark skies. Pollard calls this a smart-from-the-start approach. There really are just some places that are too sensitive and special to move forward with oil and gas development. Under the Trump administration, the BLM has been encouraged to ramp up leasing and development. That prompted a 2019 lawsuit from the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance and another organization that ultimately suspended leases sold around Hovenweep and elsewhere in southeast Utah. Prior to that sale, the National Park Service's Southeast Utah Group wrote a letter to the BLM saying they, quote, feel our concerns were not fully evaluated. Here's Pollard again. The night skies are just, you know, one of the things that concern us about, you know, what could happen if all of those leases were developed. Utah's Community Development Office even published a study guiding localities in preserving dark skies for recreational and economic benefits and warning of the harm otherwise. I'm hopeful that particularly in that landscape in southeastern Utah around Hovenweep that we're going to be able to figure out some some good long-term solutions for protecting it. As the Biden administration prepares to take office, Pollard and other advocates hope to see that smart-from-the-start approach become standard and echo the Obama administration's Moab Master Leasing Plan, which put restrictions on leasing around national parks there. For KSJD, I'm Daniel Rizel. This story is part of a series with the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Collective about fossil fuel usage in the West. Stay tuned for more stories like this one from other reporters from across the region. Finally what you came for.